Hi, and welcome to Stefan Levera Podcast, a show about Bitcoin. Today, Gleb Nomenko rejoins me on the show. Now, Gleb and Antoine ha- have been busy doing Bitcoin development and also creating this new venture, The Label, to do Bitcoin development and consulting. So we talk about that as well as a range of things around protocol development, cross-layer considerations, things like considering Bitcoin and Lightning, the, the interaction between them and what kind of attacks are possible and what sort of mitigations and also some of how Bitcoin can interact with other layers such as sidechains or with Lightning, obviously. This show brought to you by Swan Bitcoin and new from Swan is their private client services division built for the Bitcoin purchasing needs of companies and high net worth individuals around the globe. Last August, MicroStrategy CEO Michael Saylor kicked off the trend of companies buying Bitcoin for their balance sheets. A flood of high profile investors and companies have joined him. Names like Paul Tudor Jones, BlackRock, Square, and Tesla. If you are thinking of buying between 1 and 100 million US dollars worth of Bitcoin over the next year, email Swan's CEO personally, Corey at swanbitcoin.com, C-O-R-Y at swanbitcoin.com. He will personally make sure that you get onboarded faster than any other service in Bitcoin. The Swan team takes the time to answer all of your questions about Bitcoin and to help you develop your strategy for allocating into the best risk-reward investment in history. An opportunity like this to build and preserve legacy-impacting wealth for your family or company will not likely be seen again in our lifetimes. If you want to get started immediately, visit swanbitcoin.com private and fill out the form or email Corey at Corey at swanbitcoin.com. Lend at HodlHodl, non-custodial Bitcoin-backed lending platform that allows you to lend and borrow globally and anonymously. Don't have your money laying around? Lend them and earn attractive returns. HodlHodl's lending allows you to earn 25% APR on average, which is one of the highest returns on the market. Also, there is no need to sell your Bitcoins even if you are short of funds. This is a way to get some fiat stablecoin liquidity without the need to trust your money to anyone on Lend at HodlHodl. Your BTC collateral always remains locked in escrow. Lend at HodlHodl is a Bitcoin DeFi, allowing peer-to-peer lending and borrowing directly between its users. With HodlHodl's Lend platform, you set your own terms and put up offers depending on how long you want to borrow or lend and what interest you are looking to earn. Go check it out, lend.hodlhodl.com. Compass is an online marketplace which makes it easier for everyone to mine Bitcoin and enhance the Bitcoin network's security. The anti-cloud mining option, Compass helps you buy your own ASIC and secure hosting at great facilities around the world. For years, we have all heard that mining is only profitable if you're investing tons of money. But now, with Compass, everyone is able to tap into economies of scale and access reasonably priced hardware and cheap industrial power rates. And if you're unsure about how to get started with mining Bitcoin, Compass offers high hardware and hosting bundles which eliminates the need for advanced technical knowledge and allows you to get started mining Bitcoin with hardware you own. Visit them at minewithcompass.com and start mining Bitcoin today. Now onto the show with Gleb. Gleb, welcome back to the show. Hi, it's good to be back. So Gleb, you've been uh, up pretty busy, hey? You've started up a new uh, Bitcoin development venture and you're up to a few different things. Tell us uh, what you've been working on lately. Yeah, the, the last year was like, I think it's been maybe half a year or, or more since I came last time. I've been mostly working on actually lightning and related stuff, like research wise, uh, breaking lightning and, and fixing some existing issues. And yeah, you can you can find my work on, on my Twitter. And uh, that was that, that was pretty exciting because lightning has so much new uh, opportunities. Uh, 
to, to, to explore stuff like unsolved problems. Well, for Bitcoin, it's also true, but Bitcoin is a bit more mature. So <laughs> for Lightning, it's 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 even it's even crazier. Uh, apart from that, yeah, we can talk about that separately. Apart of that, we're trying we're starting this new thing with Antoine. It's called the label. It's gonna be a <clears throat> a really small team. We're thinking like four people at most to to be like very efficient. And uh, we have these two directions. One is keep working on Bitcoin. Sometimes working separately as we do all the time. Sometimes having some joint projects like. Most of my research projects on Lightning was uh, together with Anton because he has more experience there on how it actually works. I have some new high-level ideas which nobody seems to be ever discussed or discussed, but was busy to to use them. Uh, and the the second part would be uh, consulting uh, businesses or hodlers or like whoever needs help with the advanced Bitcoin features. Like let's say, like we all know that's that's uh, quite. <laughs> problematic sometimes uh, when uh, they don't integrate SegWit or Lightning lately. There is a lot of complaints about that. So people are waiting. I think this venture is, is a, it could be an answer to that. Like, like how to facilitate the process, how to stop exchanges from being hacked, how to stop, how to help users to be more, to use more privacy features. Well, not just facilitating them from the core side, but, but also from the, from the wallet side, for example, or some. Yeah, so helping that exchange implement some kind of feature, you mean things like that? Yeah, right. Also, there is like this new new protocols coming up. Like I saw just this morning some new state chains implementation which would facilitate Lightning faster. Uh, and yeah, just, just building, helping those projects building their protocols more secure is also another direction we're exploring. I see. And because with many of these, it can be quite complicated the different rabbit holes that you go down in terms of you know are there ways that someone can cheat the other party or some way that it's insecure or some way that you can try to mitigate or change the level of trust required uh, in especially in some of these ones where you are reliant on other people and I think this is something you probably are, are really known for talking about is some of the stuff that kind of happens across layers right so things like some you know lightning that requires you to be able to watch what's happening on the blockchain and make sure you respond in time uh, and get your response in that kind of thing, right? Yeah, definitely. It's very difficult to to, to make this correct from the first attempt <laughs> before getting hacked. So, and there are two aspects to it. One is like theoretically how to build the, the protocol and that's what I cover. And then the second is how to actually implement it properly, like without some implementation box. And that's where Antoine is mostly known for. He's like published like 10 CVs which break lightning over the last year. Uh, some of them are probably not known yet. So, <laughs> so we're, we're we're having this expertise trying to cover most of the stuff. If if we get to invite somebody else, if, if this thing like works out uh, super well and there is a lot of demand, we're also thinking of onboarding uh, probably a cryptographer. Like there are a couple names who would cover that part and somebody who knows hardware. So that's that's my intuition. So that that would that would match our team and and provide like coverage on any single question possibly people can be interested in. Cool. So what's the setup here? Is it essentially like a kind of cypherpunk development organization or what's the what's the structure here? There it's like super flat. We're not planning to hire many people and manage anybody. Like uh we might find somebody like help with hiring. For example, let's say there is an exchange which wants to integrate Lightning. 
we might help them to find developers and then help those developers but we're not we're not gonna like manage them it is pretty like dictatorship based like yesterday there is there was a like russian speaking outlet talking to me about this and they asked who gonna decide who is joining this venture and yeah it's just two of us gonna decide but we are also very happy to help somebody else to set up something similar and share our experience i see yeah the the big part is so as i said we want to be as efficient as possible meaning yeah there is no management no bureaucracy just uh by default we're independent trying to get different funding from different sources sometimes when it makes sense we we collaborate like if if somebody needs more attention than one person can provide we can work together or we consult with each other yeah as i said the the experience like our background is is uh, pretty complementary so so that, that's the goal yeah uh, just having a small team of uh independent people collaborating when when they need to Cool. So is this organization, I understand it is going to be remote only. Is it going to be like Bitcoin only in terms of funding and stuff? Or you have fiat options or what's the plan there? Well, uh, there, there, are, there are two parts to, to funding. And I think that's, uh, that's, that's what's pretty different from other, other similar projects in the space. That first, we're going to keep accepting grants for open source, like Bitcoin Core or Lightning development, like as we do now, like me from BitMEX, Ana Antoine got funding from John Pfeffer, and now you'll see some new announcement next week about him. Uh, second part to this, to the open source funding, I think we, we would like to, to try to facilitate some per project funding where somebody says, okay, I want to fix this. I want this particular problem to get fixed. Like for example, this channel jamming on lightning, there is our idea, then there is used, came up with something different, how to fix channel jamming in lightning. And we would like to see somebody like showing up and saying, I want to sponsor this, like guys, here's your, like, I don't know, 30 K dollars. And, and please, can you try to focus on this, like uh, on the next month? Uh, so that's not there yet. It's, it's a rare thing it only happened i think with chris belcher working on what is it coin join coin swap coin swap project so yeah so seeing more of that would be cool and then we can focus our joint efforts on that and the second component to our funding is uh, is consulting fees uh which would be yeah just just uh well we're we're, pre we're like super bitcoin bullish and we I'm pretty sure we'll keep stacking Bitcoin or not. I, I don't know what Antoine is doing. We don't discuss this thing, but we're probably going to provide discounts for, for Bitcoin, for for people who want to pay in Bitcoin. <laughs> uh, but yeah, whatever, whatever people can do. I, I know there are like some of American exchanges are uh, like regulated companies and they probably cannot make those payments. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, gotcha. It's uh, it's interesting. Hey, a lot of um, people are seemingly seeing issues around getting uh, normal fiat banking, right? So um, I remember uh, John Newbery mentioned this also when he was trying to set up Brink that he was um, finding these kinds of issues. So uh, obviously, the Bitcoin option is uh, the ideal solution, uh, but obviously not feasible for everyone. Um, so. Let's talk a little bit about um, what you are hoping to focus on or what you're interested in. I think you are mostly known in the space around peer-to-peer -peer aspects of Bitcoin, correct? Yeah, I'd say so. Although 
uh, like with Lightning, my, my experience over the last year was wider. And I was thinking how like, yeah, these attacks where Bitcoin and Lightning work together and you try to break a bridge between them or somehow affect one thing to steal money from another thing. So I'm trying to expand it to, so now I'm referring to this as high level problems, like those problems you draw on paper, like uh, make some, I don't know, Python tests, like very high level where there is no notion of Bitcoin whatsoever. There are just nodes which send something or or do something. Like, uh, for example, there is this cool like direction I see, I'm thinking of lately, of do, do, doing sidechains like thing, like, like we all know Liquid, but what if you change a federation with something else? So that's also a high level problem, like how to make uh, a new consensus for a sidechain. There is like a bunch of different ideas around that. And actually one of my first like consulting uh, contracts I got just before announcing it was, was focused on this thing. I, th I, th I think it's it's pretty cool and we'll see more of those in the next year, uh, like new kinds of sidechains. So, so yeah, th those high level ideas, not, not just peer to peer, but of course I still enjoy working on peer to peer stuff. Of course, yeah, yeah. I wasn't saying you only do peer to peer. Um, and so, in terms of the cross layer stuff, I guess let's let's go a little bit further into some of those and maybe chat a bit more in detail about how some of those things are operating and how to think about some of those things. So maybe I guess if we started with like a more example that people might know about, right? So I think you were talking about the interaction between Bitcoin and Lightning. And so this uh, this idea of the time dilation attack, um, could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, okay. So before, since like 2013 or something, uh, the Eclipse attack was known against Bitcoin. There was no Lightning at that point. It's when you Eclipse a node, uh, you, t you occupy all of its connections. So a Bitcoin node makes eight connections to the network. If an attacker controls all eight of them, and that's difficult but under some conditions it's it's possible so if they do that they can do a lot of bad stuff they can double spend the victim because th they control of the chain of the victim so they can feed you the fake blockchain or pretend that there is no blocks or something so they can double spend you uh they can uh mess up with your mining for example you're a miner or you're trying to submit a block to the network but they just delay your block for 30 seconds so that some other miners can be faster than you now. And and they can obviously spy on you because they see all the messages you send and receive. Uh, so that's what we knew before. With Lightning, it turns out that... And 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 the defenses against Eclipse were always focused on, on these aspects. Like, for example, for, for double spans, uh, an attacker will have to produce a new chain. Uh, that's why there will be... Like, they cannot get a lot of hash rate at once. That means that the blocks will be slower. But Bitcoin Core has protections from that. Like, if blocks like too slow, the node starts to search for new peers and that's how they can break break from Eclipse. So we, we came up with this idea that uh, for Lightning, it's very important to act on time because if your counterparty, if your like channel uh, counterparty tries to settle some previous state, like for example, I paid you $10, but then I tried to, to settle on chain the states previously to that when I didn't pay, uh, you're supposed to react. You're supposed to go on chain and, and send a punishment transaction, which would, which would give you actually your money. So you're supposed to watch, watch the chain for, for those activities. But if, if you're eclipsed, that's the same problem. You just don't see it. But, but what if instead of eclipse and an attacker just feeds you blocks slower? So normally you get blocks on average every 10 minutes. If you get, if an attacker just sends you blocks every 15 minutes, it's, it's very difficult to detect because uh, like it, statistically, 
I think seven blocks a day are longer than 30 minutes. So it's very difficult to say that something's wrong going on if, if an attacker is good enough, if they just been a bit slower, like five minutes slower per block. But at the same time, after 10 blocks, you're like one hour lagging. And if, if you didn't uh, submit this uh, punishment transaction during that one hour, your, your funds are stolen because the, you can punish on the, during a certain time. So if, if they force you to be late, then, then it's, your funds are gone. And we explored how this is possible and which actions Bitcoin Core and Lightning should do to, to prevent this kind of things. Yeah, it's really fascinating when you think about how that works. And I guess there, there may be different ways to like people could try to defend or think about how they stop that attack. Maybe they have multiple ways of checking uh, the blockchain and so on. Um, but I, I guess, firstly, how feasible is that kind of attack? Like, would it require somebody to, I don't know, maybe an example would be they, if you had like a malicious version of Bitcoin Core that you installed and it had the wrong peers the wrong peer data and you only you know were calling out to the basically your your the evil peers so they're the ones feeding you the bad blocks is that like one way it would work or how how likely um and how would that kind of thing happen that you got into that scenario where all eight of your connections were bad ones yeah sure in in bitcoin that's like natively in bitcoin that's quite difficult now because we we put a lot of effort into not allowing this by smap project i think we discussed last time of diversifying peers across different internet providers uh just makes that very difficult against normal bitcoin unless your internet provider itself is malicious if you're like connected to one internet provider and they mess up with you like yeah you have no like no hope basically well you can be a bit more smart and just uh, ring the bell, like uh, have an alarm where something goes wrong, but but that's as much as you can do. With Lightning, the big problem, and I think what makes it really feasible is that Lightning often uses light clients. Light clients are those uh, small Bitcoin nodes for mobile devices, which don't store the entire blockchain and don't even download entire blocks. They just download block headers. And then if, if they see that there is some protocol which helps them to realize that some block contains their transactions. So if they see that uh, the block contains their transaction, they ask for a full block to, to, to see the transaction and to verify it. So the problem with that, there is very few nodes which support uh, light clients protocols because it's it's a bit more advanced than normal Bitcoin core, uh, what, what we do in the peer-to-peer -peer network. And it's not enabled by default. That's why there is not so many nodes on the network which do that. Like I think on the hundred or a couple hundreds, uh, like the serving nodes, there is a lot of clients, a lot of mobile clients doing that. I think I think ten thousand of or, or more, but only several hundred of full nodes like serving them. And just yesterday on Twitter, somebody told that his node with that feature enabled, like the server side, was spending one terabyte per month uh, on serving light clients, while normal node spends like uh, thirty times more less. So it means that like a lot of clients were connected. To, to just one person. And if that person was malicious, they can do everything. Light clients also try to do ma many connections, but if there is little choice, there is no help. An attacker can spawn like 1000 nodes tomorrow. And then it's very likely that they will eclipse some of their victims. Uh, yeah, tricky. Hey, It kind of reminds me of how people um, talk about the whole... Um the surveillance electrum servers, right? And the idea is that the surveillance companies have an incentive to run the you know, uh, surveillance electrum server to try and figure out everyone's data. And I guess maybe that's a similar 
dynamic here where right, right. if you're trying to surveil it's, it's, it is very similar yeah it's like you could be the surveillance yeah go on actually eclair like is one of the most popular lightning implementations with their phoenix wallet i think they use electrum or electrum protocol they might be using they might be used using like dedicated servers like not connecting to random people in the network but use their own which which makes it a bit a bit better uh but but still yes so it is it is very relevant you're right yeah so I guess even in that example with Phoenix, I think you can set, for example, your own Electrum server, but I think it does just, I, I mean, I, I don't know if they maybe if they've coded in a, their own list of, you know, quote unquote, good Electrum servers, maybe that's something there. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, you're right, certainly that there will be a lot of people coming in who will just use a quote unquote, easy lightning wallet, where it's all set up and all good to go for them. And that means, yeah, it might mean Phoenix or it might mean Blue Wallet, the custodial lightning version of it and not the non-custodial lightning version. So, yeah, certainly an interesting um, aspect. So how do you kind of see that ecosystem building out? Uh, we certainly need need to think about it more. It's it's a shame we don't have, well, I know the coronavirus then, but it would be so helpful to have a core dev meeting at this point where we can talk about priorities for, for, for future because I, th- I think that's worth discussing. Like I think I think light light clients might need much more attention. I had I, I just yesterday there is a hackathon in where I'm from. It's it's not Bitcoin. It's it's like broader. But I'm thinking of hacking a, a solution for uh, much faster light clients now and and more secure based on zero knowledge. So basically, what you do is uh, uh, you can verify that you're on the on the valid blockchain and the the server feeds you the valid chain, but in a very compressed way. You don't have to download entire blocks because like there are issues with, even, even with headers, there are problems with syncing up. So I, I think like part of my attention next year will be on light lines, not just, not just uh, making them better, but just going and reviewing that they do everything correct. Because uh, last time I, I looked at, 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 at Neutrino, I think it's, it's a like BTCD light client, I think they like address management is pretty pretty bad meaning that uh the database of other nodes in the network they store it's like it's easy to trick i think or there were some other issues well just 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 go in and looking at what are the current projects and trying to help them i think that will be my, one of my priorities next year um i'm also curious as well so you mentioned earlier around the lightning channel jamming attack and how you had a different approach to Yoast Yaha's approach. Can you uh, maybe start with just an overview? What is the channel jamming attack? And then uh, tell us a little bit about how you were thinking on uh, mitigating it. Yeah, so since the Lightning Network is permissionless and also anonymous, I, I can send a payment to myself, let's say through five hops. And then on the receiving side, let's say... I. I pretend that I I went offline. So uh, the while while the 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 nodes which facilitated this payment, like the routing nodes in between, cannot fail this immediately because they cannot assume that the well everybody is very responsive. So the, they cannot fail immediately. So they have to uh, hold on their coins which were used for this transfer because like. While while you're out and you you freeze the coins from one side, like you move them from one side to another, but you keep them in flight. So that's way to to basically paralyze uh, part of the route. You just like on the receiving side, you pretend you're offline or you don't respond. Yeah. So if if they implement, if they implement, and then they they cannot charge 
uh, fees for that until the payment is 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 passed. Because currently in the in the Lightning, we we charge fees only for successful payments. It cannot trivially be solved with just um, failing payments in 10, 10 seconds, let's say, for routing nodes, because an attacker can do the same thing in ten seconds. Uh, and the the one of the like the crappiest part about it is that let's say an attacker can dedicate one Bitcoin to this attack effectively because they can use up to twenty hops in the network. That means that like collectively with one Bitcoin they can jam twenty Bitcoins because like one Bitcoin on each hop. And and uh, yeah, and that's like assuming they have enough effort they can paralyze the network. Some routing nodes can. Uh, paralyze other routing nodes to take all the fees, for example. So that's clearly a problem, and it's very real. Like used thinks it's the most important problem with Lightning, and we need to take immediate action to it. I think uh, not that many people look at it at this point, unfortunately. So used's idea is based on previous discussion on let's take fees even for failed payments. Like when you just start to route, you just pay a small fee so that an attacker cannot do this all the time and too often. That's a bit problematic because uh, honest users will have to pay like zero fee. And now an attacker can be a routing node, which fails the payments on purpose just to collect fees. So let's say an attacker controls two routing nodes in a row. On the second node, they fail the payment, but the first node then will take the fee from the from the from the uh, sender, and that's a way to steal funds from from honest honest clients. There might be some solutions in the updated versions of this proposal to this particular problem, but generally, I think I think I'm not sure this this is an ideal solution. Uh, our alternative is to to use uh, zero knowledge proofs. So uh, we have this idea of some kind of reputation system where reputation is based on the UTXO. So when you send a payment, you prove to the routing nodes that uh, you own some 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 UTXO in the network. And then if you if you do this second time and third time, they see oh this guy uh, sends a payment based on the same UTXO ownership. Like wh why does he send payments every every second? Currently, it's not possible to tell that the sender is the same because in routing, you, uh, routing nodes only aware of the previous hop and the next hop. That's that's done for privacy. But now we can we can attach this blinded uh, UTXO fingerprint to every payment. So zero knowledge proofs are needed so that uh, we don't commit to a particular UTXO because then you can associate payments easily. You can tell like right that Gleb owns this piece of Bitcoin, this UTXO, right? Yes, yeah, something like that. So we we need to blind it somehow. And and there is this idea of committing to a some UTXO from a set without telling which one. And and yeah, and yeah, how to use these proofs to 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 solve this problem. And then like let's say you, you show this proof, you get credits for 100 payments or something. And then if you do if you want to do more than 100 payments a day, sorry, but you need another proof or like something like that. Like you need another UTXO or or if your reputation is good and you made good payments last like yesterday and they all were successful, we will increase your reputation based on this UTXO. So that's the idea. The The problem is that zero knowledge proofs are pretty experimental and we're still not sure if we want to put them in the like kind of core protocols of the Lightning Network. I think it's totally possible that we'll have these alternatives. If you want to route, you can pay fees up front or you can use a zero knowledge proof. I think I think that's, that could be cool. Gotcha. So in that example, 
What about people who are genuinely doing lots of payments? I mean, an example might be someone using, you know, Sphinx app to stream payments to, you know, pay for every few seconds of podcasts they listen to, or um, I don't know, maybe some of the lightning gaming people. I wonder, does that break somebody else's use case? Uh, we should think about use cases more because so far we were more designing protocols for general uh, payment thing. Like, let's say, I don't know, you pay for beer five times during an hour and then you go like rest for the, for, you go to sleep or something. <laughs> but so I think, well, as long as your payments are successful, right, everything's good. Like you're, you don't waste your reputation on the, on the successful payments. You, you just, gotcha. you just got, get more reputation. So, so it should be fine. Yeah. Yeah. And then on the zero knowledge side, again, I'm not an expert at all on this, but um, from what I understand, they often have like more computational load or there's more kind of other trade-offs in other ways. Like would that work with say mobile uh, lightning nodes and things like that? Or would that just be like still within the tolerable or reasonable ranges there? Uh, Yeah. So that's definitely what we should consider when we implement these protocols. uh, Fortunately, uh, some of the zero-knowledge constructions are fast and small, while they need a trusted setup, which is which would be not acceptable for like Bitcoin Core layer, of course. But in this case, I think it's pretty fine because uh, in this case there is only one prover and one verifier, verifier unless a like ledger system based on zero-knowledge where verifiers is everybody. So if you join late, you cannot be confident in the trusted ceremony here. When there is only one prover and one verifier, it's totally fine to use any construction like uh, where just they too can can contribute to, to to the trusted setup. So that's why I see. Yeah, we can we can use almost any any zero knowledge protocol here, and the most efficient. Yeah, and with the whole idea of having right, and with the whole idea of having a reputation in the Lightning Network, and people talk about things like hey, having a web of trust idea. I see some people try to push back there because they worry that that might create a lightning network where everybody is public and doxxed and they want it to be that, let's say, the every man, the retail individual can afford to run his or her own lightning node on commodity hardware and do it in an anonymous way, right? So I guess that's also one of the other considerations when you start to bring in things that look like a some form of reputation system. I think that's a pretty cool. I'm pretty sure hubs will be public and doxed anyway, like big actors in the middle of the network with like hundreds of channels. But for end users, for like leaves of the network, I think that's a good idea. I think we should keep exploring it. Yeah. I'm curious then in that kind of, let's say we have that kind of world where there are a bunch of big lightning hubs and they've like, they've got all the big channels and then you've got all these more whatever you want to call it, sovereign individual (laughs) lightning hubs out there. Do you think it would be like maybe you could route through the sovereign individuals and maybe get a little bit more privacy that way, but maybe you have to pay a little bit more? Do you think it it would work that way or how do you think it might look? Yeah, totally. We'll definitely, well, uh, there is a little disadvantage to that. Uh, Generally, well, I think that's totally feasible. I think paying a bit more for security and that's not like like that's not even just about privacy. There is, in my head, this idea you just explained comes up again and again. For example, because channels have different configurations, like the safety, uh, like for how long you can punish a, a counterparty, for example, like 
if, if you can punish only up to an hour, it's not safe to be offline for more than an hour. Sometimes you want to be to have this configuration for a day. That meaning that channels have different safety and security parameters. And I totally see that more safer channels will have higher fees. There are little disadvantages to this way forward because if we have like very diverse policies, it will be easier to, to, to probe channels. Like channel probing is another research topic, like which will be probably still not solved for a bit from now, just infer the balances. So it's just a bit easier to infer the balances when channels have different properties. Back to the show in a moment. Unchained Capital are building Bitcoin native financial services using multi-signature. If you want to secure your keys using multi-signature, that might mean using two different hardware wallets separated into different locations. They offer this as a service and they will be the third key in your setup. So you still hold two keys. There is no setup or storage fees if you build it on your own. On the other hand, if you want the white glove treatment, their team will teach you about multi-signature. They'll ship you some hardware wallets. They'll answer your questions and deposit $1,000 of Bitcoin. So that's normally $1,500, but you get $50 off by using the code Levera. Unchained also offer an OTC desk and they are great for self-directed Bitcoin retirement accounts. They also offer business accounts for those of you looking to go onto a business Bitcoin standard. So go and check them out, unchained-capital.com. CypherSafe.io are producing metal backup seed products like the Cypher Wheel. They've got a product specifically helping you with recovery. It's called the Bitcoin Recovery Tag. This is an extra stainless steel tag with information about the original wallet, gap limit, derivation types, scripts used, and each of the major hardware wallets have their own type of recovery tag specifying for that hardware wallet type. So you attach this to your seed word backup with a stainless steel cable, and there's a website link for recovery to help you or your heirs with recovering those coins on Electrum. So it really adds that value of helping you recover in practice. Bitcoin recovery tag works with any seed word backup device, including Cypher Wheel and Crypto Keys, Bill Fottle, Crypto Tag, and so on. Go and buy yours at cyphersafe.io and use the code Levera for a discount. CoinKite are the creators of the Cold Card, one of the most recommended hardware wallets by Bitcoiners. I think it's the best in the market with features like the ability to use it air-gapped. You can literally never plug it to a computer. You can plug it to the wall or to a phone power bank or use a cold power instead. You can initialize it and then shuttle that wallet over to popular wallets like Spectre Desktop, Electrum, or Blue Wallet to do air-gapped transactions. I've long been a fan of this wallet. It offers very high security at such a relatively low price point. It is PSBT native, and it also works great as part of a multi-signature quorum also. It's got so many features that you will love. Go and get yours at coinkite.com and use the code Levera for a discount. Back to the show. I think I've heard Antoine talk about this idea of trying to infer based on the CLTV delta. So the so that's check lock time verify, and that's like one of the... I guess the parameters that sets how long you are going to have to wait. And so I guess the idea there is that people who are trying to surveil the Lightning Network might try to look for those differences in the CLTV and then try to figure out based on that to try and narrow it down and uh, try to de-anonymize participants on the Lightning Network, right? Yeah, that's it, definitely. But that's that's like the only disadvantage of these different policies I see. Otherwise, otherwise, I see that's a pretty cool future. So we'll see where we get. Of course, yeah. And so one other thing, so I, as I understand, and correct me if I'm getting this wrong, but as I understand, Yoast's approach with mission control on this whole channel jamming 
um, attack and then the mission control approach is to try to restrict the number of in-flight HDLCs, that's hash, lock, hash time lock contracts. So what's your view on doing that kind of approach where you have your own, the node might have its own internal view of other parties on the network and then start saying, oh, this guy is legit. I hear he's, I'm okay to take an HDLC from here. Like how, how does that work for you or in your mind? Uh, so I, I would admit I'm a bit behind of what you suggest. I, I, I didn't have the time to, to read the latest thing. Gotcha. Uh, sounds like yes, like 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 something along the same thing can we have with Antoine? So we probably should somehow merge, perhaps ideas at some point, or at least learn from each other. Yeah, gotcha. Oh well, hey, I'm I I might not have I might not have summarized that correctly either, but I think just from what I've seen and read and heard and things like that, um, that's one example of kind of things people are talking about. But I guess ultimately, what we're getting to here. The risk here is that people can have their channels griefed and be stopped out for some time. And in some cases, it doesn't mean they necessarily lose money in the channel. They still get it back, but they just have to wait for that time out to for that uh, time lock to release. Correct. Well, well, you you can yeah, you, uh, the attacker can paralyze the network. And if if you're talking about general jamming or like gotcha griefing which is so this would be like at the overall level and then maybe for you at an individual level it just means you wouldn't be able, you wouldn't be able to wrap payments at that time which obviously would be a you know a huge pain but then i guess you would still get at least most of your money back if you had to close out the channel yeah yeah no you you'll just as a routing node you will lose routing fees as a honest user of the network you will not be able to pay through it but the the, the problem is this attack is essentially free now an attacker has just to lock some bitcoins but never spend them so that's that's the biggest problem yeah i see i see and i know um well i know antoine is very focused on privacy and i think potentially you are also um have you looked at any of these other ideas around things like um there was a paper recently about cross-layer de-anonymization in terms of bitcoin and lightning and so the idea was you know if you combined a like a chain analysis chain surveillance approach alongside a lightning surveillance approach and you were to look at you know channel id in the lightning gossip data and then try to figure out who holds what utxos and things like that is that something you're also thinking about yeah definitely i'm just like i'm noticing that there is enough people excited about UTXO, what what they call it? Like when you mark some UTXO uh, illegal. Like tainting, so to speak. Yeah, tainting. Like th this thing, like I think there is enough research going in that direction. And it's pretty cool it's getting I see. like merged with Lightning. But I'm trying to, to focus on the actually on the on the peer-to-peer -peer side where yeah, you look at the Bitcoin gossip, you look at the Lightning gossip, for example, or you look at where they located some delays, some like you send a transaction and see if they propagate it or not. So I'm just I'm just putting my attention more in the place where nobody else looking. But 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 that's also cool. Like yeah, the, what they're doing, we definitely like at the end, attacker will use all the uh, methods they can they can afford and they can find. So it's definitely good to keep in mind alternative vectors. Yeah yeah, it seems like obviously. Lightning is still very, very early, uh, but it does seem to be growing. And so it's one of those things where I guess maybe it just hasn't, it hasn't been worth the while maybe yet for any of the big players to really, really go hard on surveillance of it. Although I have seen some, I think there was a US government contract that went out for, I think it was Chainalysis or one of the other surveillance firms on basically how to surveil the Lightning network. So I guess these things are starting. Um, so I guess these are 
things to think about also. Yeah, well, uh, um, there is a lot of, uh, I, I don't even know, like those companies are probably, well, they, they work with American government, which is largely uh, not, not qualified to uh, what, judge. Of course, there is like, what is it, FBI or something, which uh, might, as we know from the, I think, Snowden's documents that uh, they were interested, like Secret Service is very interested in Bitcoin. But I think all this chain analysis stuff is like, uh, they work directly with the state governments, which have no clue. So they know Bitcoin, but they don't know Lightning. That's why chain analysis is not not probably even uh, thinking about Lightning yet. At, at the same time, I... I, as far as I know, they're pretty like not qualified. So what they can do is they can go to some big exchange and ask them for a list of their users and wallets. So that's what they can do. And then try to, to link those UTXOs like a couple hops away from, from an exchange. But like, I'm pretty sure that they have no idea how to do peer-to-peer -peer layer stuff yet. At least that's, that's what I know from like two years ago when I talked to some of their people. I see, yeah. The hypothetical sovereign private individual who, let's say they bought coins non-KYC, they maybe they use CoinJoin to fund the Lightning node, maybe they use some combo, maybe they do Tor only and private channels. I guess that, that kind of person who really wants to be private, I guess they can still have some reasonable level of privacy, but I suppose it might be a little bit harder for them to route if they've only got private channels and things like that, right? Uh, yes, that's that's... Pretty much the case, I think. Yeah, I see. Yeah, um, and also your website mentions a little bit around transaction relay jamming. Can you tell us a little bit about that aspect of it and how that works? Uh, just a bit. Like, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Like, the whole, like, DeFi thing, we might have different opinions on it. I'm pretty sure it would be cool if Bitcoin facilitated or was able to facilitate all these financial markets. Like, for example, I have one Bitcoin, but I want to invest in, in gold for a bit. So I find somebody who is uh, who, who is willing to join a bet with me. Like, let's say I'm betting on a gold price of, I don't know, $100 or one Bitcoin for like 100 grams of gold or something. <laughs> uh, and and they bet on like less than 100 grams. And in a, in a, in a month we settle, that, that, that super simple contract would would allow to facilitate like and just uh, draw a lot of attention from traditional financial markets here because it would be much cheaper than what they do it would be non-custodial it would be pretty private and yeah I, so i think i think those use cases would make bitcoin stronger uh because you know this like latest criticism of uh Taleb or whatever you call him yeah i i think well i mean He's he obviously like betrayed us, but <laughs> <laughs> but I I think it it is fair at some like to some degree, and it would be cooler if uh, if Bitcoin had like uh, this this kind of exposure to more stability, and maybe not through buying ice cream for Bitcoin, but perhaps through facilitating the financial markets. So the same the same stuff. Ethereum is very popular now. I think DLC would 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 be able to facilitate some of those use cases, but in a much better way without like paying two hundred dollars in fees because it can be on Lightning. It can be almost free with the like good Oracle market where you don't like trust some like chain link 
uh, for providing data, but like there is a like big, big actors with reputation, which also don't see the deal. So they cannot even like, they cannot influence much. And yeah, I'm just seeing DLC is a really good way to, to, to bring all that stuff to Bitcoin. Right. So you're bullish on lightning DLCs then. Yeah, pretty much. I wish I wish I had more time on 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 joining the actual spec building, but I can only like do as much. <laughs> of course, yeah. Like twenty four hours, yeah. Uh, of course, only twenty four hours in the day. So okay, so I guess we've we've spoken a little bit about lightning and some of the you know the cross layer aspects there. What about some of the other components of um, Bitcoin scaling? I mean, you were chatting a little bit earlier as well about side chains and other ways of interacting with the bitcoin blockchain what are some of the things you're looking at these days so just yesterday in the sydney uh what is it bitcoin meetup uh, telegram group aj posted uh, a way to scale lightning to billions of people by making lightning banks i think we need uh soft forks for that like we need but they're not not very difficult like we need sick hash no input and we need a uh, some pool construction either something similar to coin pool we did or Jeremy Rubin's uh, thing. What is it? OpCSV. Uh, so uh, right now, Lightning currently uh, can facilitate, I think, about uh, 7 million users a month. That's my estimate. Based on that, if one person uh, does one transaction on chain a month, then like Bitcoin blocks are still limited. It's it, I think I computed about 7 million. Uh, so the only way to break that scale and barrier is to, well, I see, apart from increasing the block size, of course, <laughs> is uh, uh, to use uh, joint UTXO ownership. Like when one UTXO and one transaction basically belongs to hundreds of people. So basically AJ's idea is to build banks on, 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 on one UTXO. One UTXO is a bank of 5,000 people or 50,000 people. That's why you can mm -hmm. scale scale it, it it much beyond. Uh, that that that's a pretty promising approach. It's very important for now to to stay honest and fair in judgments and like not bet not building a bank today and bet on a soft fork because that's a terrible conflict of interest. Yeah, and uh, so this would require any prev out, right? Uh, yes, yeah, so some alternative of, of, of like of those kinds. So they're they're not very difficult soft forks. They're not like crappy tailored to this particular use case. They're pretty general, but but yeah, we'll need that. Gotcha. Oh yeah, I see. I'm just checking it now. I actually didn't see this. Funnily enough, I <laughs> I hadn't caught this discussion. Um, but um, yeah, I think that's really interesting because it's like this idea of how do you bring this to the masses? Because not li literally every person can you know run a lightning node and do everything for themselves because we're literally going to run out of chain space for them. Yeah. So at some point you're going to have to scale beyond that. And I've seen some approaches, like for example, I've seen BTC Pay Server guys. I think it was Dennis Ryman who was. Working working on this idea of, uh, I think he called it LN Bank as well. And this idea was like, do you have a BTC pay server that can have multiple users onboarded to it and use that as like a kind of a bank? And I guess even now, Blue Wallet has the LND hub, which is like a thin wrapper for LND. And then same kind of idea, you can have your one lightning node, but then onboard all these people onto that. But then I guess what we're talking about here with this idea of, you know, using more advanced techniques is actually doing it in like a more i guess protocol based way as opposed to pushing it up a layer into the software kind of applications that we use on lightning right well it doesn't matter really at which layer we do this i just think this protocol way is more sovereign because end users 
still will be able to do whatever with their funds in the bank. I'm not sure, like I'm not familiar with those approaches, but all the software approaches are probably at least a bit custodial. So yeah, yeah. So that's the difference. Oh, they are. They are. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's more, I guess the idea is it's kind of like community custodial, but uh, yeah, certainly I think this approach is more like a long-term proper scaling up way. Um, So I guess the challenge in these cases where let's say, you know, let's say this thing goes huge and someday down the line, you know, not enough people or basically multiple people would have to have claim, yeah, like to a UTXO on chain. And then people would have to sort of, if they had to like split out or go to a different factory or some channel factory or channel grouping, I guess that is, um, that's kind of what this idea is getting at, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, I, I I can't even believe there is like at this point so many ideas and we just need building them. I keep like people keep around keep asking me what's the uh, bottleneck in Bitcoin. And last year I just realized it's it's developers, it's the efforts we can put. Like there is enough funding. I'm pretty sure we can onboard like ten more people and find funding for them. But there is just not no good people who are willing to do this. I don't understand. Now I'm starting to really appreciate the chain code efforts, the what Brink will do, like that that kind of stuff. Like it's and. I mean, Blockstream started doing that even even before me and HL. Well, HL was a contributor before Blockstream, I think, uh, just a bit. I, I was I was absolutely not, and and yeah, that's how I came into this space. And yeah, that, that's a big one. Yeah, I wonder how. Um, so I think like as most things in the space, it's all indexed to number go up, right? Like as the price runs up, then you see a lot more interest. You see more, you know, developers, you see more funding, more mining, everything, right? So I, I guess, uh, you know, maybe later this year, we'll start to see a kind of a new crop of people who come in because, you know, they see the number go up and then they start thinking and they start researching and maybe they start developing. Well, it should work this way. I'm I'm not sure it will. Well, like I cannot guarantee this because it all depends on the on those like sponsors or people who are willing to to fund. Because uh, right now it's it's pretty like not not structured. That that's totally good. Like I'm I'm always saying that Bitcoin has a good precedent of this like open source funding from the industry. But the scaling part is 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 unclear yet. Like we'll find out. It might there might be some lag. Like Bitcoin went up five times. Did we see more funding or more developers? I think not yet. So we'll see this year is like, yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's on a bit of a lag then. So, you know, Bitcoin runs to whatever, some crazy number, who knows? And then, you know, six months later is actually when like the development funding comes or something like that. Yeah, we'll we'll find out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So um, anything else you're interested in or anything else you're looking at? Well, we just like for 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 last month we were focusing on launching the the label thing. There is like a legal part when we're trying to to prepare some like contracts which will be like suit suit the the industry clients uh, as much as possible while like like to to maintain the the best relationship. Uh, trying to see what our our priorities should be. This this actually started as a as a way to to uh, what is it for self growth because because I was sitting with Antoine he, he visited me here like I think I'm in Ukraine now and this is one of the few free places in in Europe where like 
there is like there is no lockdown and, and all that and so yeah so i was thinking how i should like grow further because yeah i'm i'm, I'm i am a core developer and i'm like i think i'm getting more productive every year but also wanted to have some other direction i was thinking of academia but universities are so bad now like i don't like like the the most brilliant people in the universities have to spend half of their time on uh teaching some uh classes they're not interested in because they're forced to or like doing uh, bureaucratic stuff so and and that's like yeah it's super underpaid and all that uh, starting businesses so yeah you can work on what you actually enjoy yeah 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 starting businesses is a bit early that's our vision uh because uh, we think we need to take time and uh, like make core pro- protocols strong enough and like help Bitcoin scale and all that. And if you start a business at this point, it will take all our time and we will not be able to focus on core. I'm like, well, unless unless we manage to raise a lot of funds and then hire other core developers. <laughs> uh, so so this consulting effort was was a way to self grow initially, like like try this new thing, uh, use our knowledge. Uh, I I built like exchanges and wallets previously in Ukraine. Uh, Antoine like uh, has uh, some other background. I'm not sure he wants me to talk about. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this uh, for me at least this was a like started as a self growth uh, idea. And then I realized that diversifying funding would be good because, yeah, grants are cool, but uh, I don't know, what if they disappear or what if uh, number goes down? So we need this like different source of income, which is like based on like the actual needs on somebody and not just uh, goodwill. And, <laughs> and secondly, yeah, it seems like industry would use some help, like integrating lightning uh security new protocols uh yeah there, there is a bunch of stuff uh i'm pretty sure our expertise would be useful and the idea is that uh we can like uh focus on that for i don't know for a month uh, like cumulatively or like a week a month mm-hmm. and then and then spend all the rest of the time on core development yeah so so yeah that's what we were focusing on over the last couple of weeks Cool. And speaking of core development, have, are there any updates on Erle? Uh, yes. Uh, people uh, started looking at it very closely now because last year we were busy with uh, building like some requirements, some like... The preconditions, right? If, uh, not sexy, not sexy, but like the, the, the work which has to be done before doing it. And now, yeah, we started looking at it. I just got a lot of help in how to shape it better. I'm finishing shaping it better, like today, tomorrow, and then I think the work will be pretty active. Like we're gonna we're gonna merge. So there is this mini sketch project, which is another requirement for early. I think that will be merged very soon. I think. Well, I I I, I hate talking about time now because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you never know. But yeah, but yeah. Cool. But yeah, I'm not. I'm. I haven't given up. Like for sure. I'm. I'm pretty bullish on this one too. It just. Yeah. All of us. Like. Again, I'm saying you uh, developers, like smart people, are probably uh, the the biggest bottleneck here now because there are there is like hundreds of brilliant people in the repo, but uh, the the amount of work has to be done is more than that. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so I guess just turning to Bitcoin more broadly, what are you uh, excited about over this coming year? Is there anything in particular you want to see, or anything that you uh, yeah kind of looking forward to? Uh, it's pretty cool. It's it's getting more mainstream. I'm afraid it's growing too fast. Like earlier, <laughs> when like in 2018, I I heard from uh, like more experienced developers that you you cannot like 
It it grows too fast when it was hitting twenty. I I I didn't understand that. Now now I do. Like again, if if the industry cannot keep up with with the funding and with all the stuff, number go up. I think it might be scary. Like for example, when we hit I don't know two hundred thousand, but uh, the scaling is not solved. There will be like hundreds of dollars in fees per transaction. I mean, assuming the use is like as of today. If 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 nobody integrates Lightning or like it's not it's it's very limited integration. Yeah, I see I see a lot of work to to keep up with the number go up. <laughs> Because there is a clear demand. There is like, yes, we, we need to support the growth. We need to maintain the infrastructure. We need to keep scaling. We need to keep the security and and, and face the, uh, I don't know, closer attention of the governments to this thing. So yeah, that's, that's, that's what I see for the future. Yeah. Uh, are there any areas that you, I guess, where are the kind of areas that you think most need help from a, let's say, security perspective? Well, I'm I'm very happy to see the uh, new multisig efforts because it's still largely not usable, and I think the uh, Spectre thing is pretty cool. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? The yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of Spectre. I've interviewed uh, Stepan Snijurev and Ben Kaufman on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I often uh, shill Spectre, so um, I'm hopeful. Yeah, I, I think uh, the the biggest shame is not not having a useful multisig. Well, hopefully that that project is is getting is getting good. And uh, then the uh, what is it? Uh, Nunchuck. Yep. Is something similar, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so that one. I, I'm just happy p- people building software uh, for secure use of Bitcoin. I think on the core part we're doing pretty well. Like I think the security part is actually was our priority for the last couple of years. So that that should be fine. Uh, the the software needs to keep up. Like the light clients, I said, need to to keep up with the uh, I don't know how many users they have because it's not experimental anymore. A lot of people use mobile lightning, and you cannot just say in the repo that your software is experimental. Well, I mean, I know they're open source developers and they have no choice, but yeah, there should be there should be more attention to that stuff. Yeah, I see. It's a professionalization of some of the software and things that everyone is using, I guess. Again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not blaming the open source developers, uh, but but yeah, maybe that's something industry should consider. That five x number go up is not like doesn't come for free. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, and I think it, it'll take um, you know maybe some listeners out there who are interested in funding development work, or um, maybe listeners out there who have you know maybe they're working in a job that's not Bitcoin related, and then they can start working in a Bitcoin job. Maybe that's part of um, part of the answer there. I will be very happy if this is the outcome of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a one podcast thing. I think it's more just like an overall focus and, you know, not just people listening to my show, but just, you know, the the discussion, the conversation, like what people are saying on Twitter, the mailing list and whatever ever, everything, you know, IRC, etc. Yeah. yeah. All right, well cool. I think um that's probably a good spot to finish up here. Gleb, where can listeners find you online? So my, my Twitter username is FFSTLS and if, or you just uh, like search for my name and uh, our website, the label is uh, thelab31.xyz. It's like the lead language, you know. <laughs> Hackerman, Hackerman language. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks very much, for Gleb, for joining me. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Subscribe to the show using a podcatcher application. Search Stefan Libera podcast and you can find my website and show notes at stefanlibera.com slash 255. See you in the Citadels.